Welcome to The Working Therapist with Hayden Bolick, a podcast designed to help you grow more, do more, and be more as a therapist. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. We're glad you've joined us for today's podcast. So here's your host, Hayden Bolick. So welcome, everybody, to this episode of The Working Therapist. I'm Hayden Bolick, your host. And hey, today is part two of doing something to get something, or otherwise known in more technical terms, communication initiation. So last episode, we talked about just basically the development of speech and language development, a quick and dirty overview, and how to assess for to determine which stage of language development, perlocutionary, irlocutionary, or locutionary, aren't those words that everybody uses in their daily life? I don't know. I do. To assess at which stage the child was, and then also to figure out you know, what goals you need to write, where the child was, plan of care, and how to frame your plan of care, and how to start therapy. So we did all of that last time on part one. So if you haven't checked that out, then check that out because it's pretty interesting. And it's part one of today's part two, which is communication, initiation, and therapy. So let's get right into it. Okay, first thing I think about is how to set up my room. So for my little perlocutionary people, remember those people aren't talking and they're not initiating and they're not really engaging. And there's some receptive issues going on for these little people as well. So what I do is all of my toys are always going to be in a container. So here's the framework for all my therapy. Start, do, finish. Everything, you got to start a toy, you got to do the toy, you got to finish the toy. Even if I open the box and the child, they usually don't tell me, but they tell me, this is the worst toy I've ever seen. If, if they can tell me that, then they probably are graduating. But anyway, if I open the box and they could care less about whatever toy I've got in there, still we have to do something. Like we at least have to clean it up. So whatever's in the box, I'm going to dump it out. And then if it's not going anywhere in a hurry and I think, okay, we need to move on, then at least we tell it bye-bye. So we put the thing in the box, that's doing something, and then we put it in the box, we tell it bye-bye, we're finished with it. So start, do, finish is the framework for pretty much my whole life, but definitely my therapy life. Start it, do it, finish it. So first thing I do is I set the room up so there's not much clutter. So it's just myself and the child in the room, and everything I play with is an individual like Tupperware or Rubbermaid or containers. And I have all those in one area of the room. I position myself so I block the way out. And I don't mean like I'm locking a kid in the room because I'm definitely not doing that. But I need their attention to be on me and whatever activities I'm trying to do with them that session. So I really want to put myself in the way of the way out and myself in the way of other obstacles that might hinder their being able to attend to me and those activities for the day. So if I'm in a busy classroom, then I'll usually take the child to the side of the classroom without a lot of the extra kids. And I sort of position myself between the rest of the class and that child if that makes any sense. I hope it does without seeing a picture of it. But that's what I do. So I'm working on input at this stage of language development because remember, in a child who's zero to eight months of age, there's input. Remember, this is the time for motheries and when moms are, oh, you know, let's put on your shoes. Oh, look, look at your little shoes and your little feet and they're so sweet. And, and I love these shoes. We got purple shoes on today. And oh, you look so cute in little purple shoes. Well, in that little example I gave just now, I used the word shoes at least five or six times. So eventually a child's going to figure out between zero to eight months of age that these things on my feet are shoes. That's input, input, input. They're identifying, 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 identifying. And they hear that over and over day in, day out. So remember, the child's the perlocutionary stage of language development and there's a receptive delay, I'm sure of it, because the child's 18 months, two years of age, you know there's a receptive delay, then I'm inputting as much as I'm wanting to get something out. 
I'm about communication initiation, but I'm also about helping them with their comprehension. So I use a lot of Mr. Rogers talk, a lot of sing-songy talk, and I keep it very simple. So and I do a lot of the do something to get something. So I use the bubbles, the wind-up toys, the ball run. I don't use the balloon so much in regular therapy, but I will if I have to. I'll use, again, I find whatever their M&M is, and I use that, do this to get that. And I also use a lot of social, like row, row, row your boat games where I sit them in my lap and we do row, row, row your boat and I'm face to face with them and I make the child go back and forth and we hold hands for row your boat back and forth. We don't really do any functional play. All of our games are very do something to get something, very combinational play, just putting two things together. Row, row, row your boat. We're putting song and movement together. Bubbles, you know, we're blowing and we get a bubble. We do a lot with the Melissa and Doug stacking blocks. So we'll stack up the blocks up, 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 and we knock them down. Up, 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 knock them down. And everything that I'm using is very one, two, three, go. You know, up, 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 block down. Row, row, row your boat. It's all that kind of intonation and the phrasing, and I'm just really keeping it simple. And then when we're done, everything start, do, finished. So even with the row, row your boat, you know, we are done with the boat and we get another toy out. That's a little bit harder to tell it bye-bye because there's nothing really to tell it bye-bye because it's just me and the child. The next stage for the illocutionary kids, these are the kids that are screaming, God bless them. These are the ones that are tantruming big time to get the next thing. They understand, I do this, I get that. They understand communication initiation, but they're not using any words. And so you can still work on input and receptive language with these little kiddos, but your big issue is getting them to do something more specific to get something. You got to move them from illocutionary to locutionary. But the first thing you got to do is stop this screaming and tantrum, love, have mercy. So you really want to work on a gesture. So the gestures I work on are me, more, open, those are the biggies, and go. So for me, I sort of pat my chest and do me and more. I use the gesture for more, open, I use like a knocking gesture, and then go. I use the actual sign language sign for go and the sign language sign for more. So those are like real. The other one for open, I made that up. And the other me thing, I just made that up too. So that's just my stuff. Anyhow, but those are the ones I usually work on. I remember a normal development is for a child that's at 18 to 24 months, they're supposed to be doing five communicative acts in one minute. So in one therapy session, I want to work on as many communicative initiation attempts as possible a hundred times, a hundred opportunities for this child to initiate. Well, to do that, if you've got, for example, a wind-up toy, that's one of the toys I usually use. I use different wind-up toys every session, but it's still the same idea as a wind-up toy. It's novel for the child because, it's, hey, last week it was a, a car and a monkey and a robot, and this week it's a dinosaur and a pink one. I don't know. Anyway, it's still a wind-up toy, but for them it's a new thing. Well, with one wind-up toy, you can have like 10 to 20 in communicative initiation attempts. And for that one, I'll use more. One, two, three, go. Remember that? And tell me, say more, say more. And then we'll do hand over hand. I'll get them to use more to wind it up. Now, a lot of times what'll happen is I'll go one, two, three. And if I don't do go right away, then that child will start to scream and cry. So the big obstacle at first is to get them to understand. If you tell me more, 
then we'll do this wind-up toy. Normally, I can get them there in one session because usually they just need to understand, oh, and if you're consistent, consistent, consistent with these kids because these kids have had a situation where somebody somehow, and I'm not blaming parents at all, somebody or they interpreted something as not being consistent. And so if they understand, oh, well, if I do this more thing, then she's going to give me this toy or she's going to make this thing go. And so they're usually a pretty easy sale. This group of kids, I like if you just can get past the tantruming thing. The big thing I tell the parents to do at home at first is to use that one, two, three, that use that more or me gesture. Those are the two I usually use at first with the parents so that they stop this screaming thing. And usually I'll tell this to the parents too. I'll say, okay, look, if the child's asking for something to drink, then you get them a cup of juice or whatever. And right before you give them that cup of juice, you act like you have lost your mind and you are totally confused. You have no idea what this child wants you to do. And so you say, juice, you want juice? And then if the child's, you know, get them to you, say, me, I want juice, and pat their chest. And then you go, oh, yeah, juice, me, juice. Oh, here's your juice. And you hand over hand to use that me sign or the more sign. And I usually have the parent right there with me so they know exactly what I'm doing. And I talk them through it. And I want them to do it. I tell them, look, try this as often as possible at home. And I usually tell them this. Look, between the ages of 4 to 7 where nobody in your house is happy, don't do it. You know, between 4 to 7 p.m., in my opinion, you just got to survive that time period because there's nobody happy in that time period of the day. Everybody's hungry. Everybody's tired. Everybody needs a bath. Everybody's going to be fed. Not a good time of the day. Don't work on it then. But work on it in the morning. Work on it in the early afternoon. And work on it right before bedtime and you're all happy. You can also, another great opportunity to work on some of this stuff is right before they go to get them out of the car seat. Because every child knows you hit that top button and you hit that bottom button and boom, I'm going to get you out. Well, hit that top button and right before you hit that bottom button, you just pretend like, I have lost my mind. I don't know what to do. And you say, you want out? And there's that pregnant pause. Out? Tell me. Say, out. You want out? And the child's already like, lady, get me out of the car seat because this is what we do out and tell me, say, me, I want out. It doesn't really matter that me in that situation or more doesn't really work. All you want to do is tell them to do something to get something, do something to get something that's not a scream. So it doesn't really matter what the gesture is. We'll build on that. We'll work on that. We'll get more words in there. You just want to do something to get something and not scream. And that's the name of the game. That's the homework at first. And that's what you work on. And the next week when you come back, I'm going to ask you how it went. So that's what we're doing in therapy. That's what we're doing at home. And so every therapy session is built around how many communicative attempts and initiations can I get in there. So bubbles, wind up toy, ball run. Mr. Potato Head is a little tough at this stage of the game. The pig from Fisher Price, where you put the money in the top of the pig. Ooh, all-time favorite toy. But I cover the slot. I hold the money. The child holds the pig. I don't turn it on because that song just gets in the way. In fact, I usually take the batteries out. So I'll give the child the pig and I'll say, you want more? Want more money? Tell me, say me. And so the guy tell me me and I give him the money. And then we put the money in and I cover the slot and I don't let him open the door either. Sounds like I'm very controlling in these games, but I guess I am. Just I'll own it. But anyway, that's what I do. I do the same kinds of framework. I don't do any functional play with these kids. At this point in the game, the other thing I do is I'll use them listen, Doug stacking blocks, and we'll go up, 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 block, up, block, and I'll get them to initiate each time to get a block. Me, tell me you want a block, and up, up, up for each block, and then we'll knock it down with the car or their foot or their hand because most, and if there's little boys or even little girls, but two year olds love to be like destructive with something, and so to knock down that big tower. That's just a good time. Have I all right there. 
push-and-go cars. I usually will use these, so a one, two, three, push-go car, and I want them to tell me each time to tell it to go. We'll also do the push-and-go car back and forth between the mom and me and the child. And so I'll usually put the child over there with the mom, and I'll be on one side or the dad. And I'll put the child over there on one side, and I'll me on the other, and I'll push the car to them. And then before I push the car to go to them, I want them to do me or more to request the car to go over there. And that also helps really communicate and educate the parents on really what I want them to do. So again, start, do, finish. If you get tired of that toy, you always have to tell it bye-bye, and we put it in the bye-bye pile before we get another toy out. All my start toys are in one pile. All my bye-bye toys are in another pile, and they're all in their own individual container. So when it's bye-bye, it's bye-bye, and it's not coming back out. So that teaches them also to help pay attention to an activity for a little bit longer. Now, for my locutionary kids that are using a single word, I'll do a lot of what we just finished saying, but instead of using single words, we'll build it into two words, depending on where they are and how many single words they're using. We may just want to expand on the use of the words at first. So I'll get them to imitate car or go for the push and go car, bubbles, or for the wind up toy, we'll work on what the animal is that we're doing or the or machine, ro- you know, if it's the robot, we won't use that one. I'll say, go boy because they usually look like a boy or a man. And then for the wind-up toy, I just usually use a more simple word than if it's a penguin. You know, most kids don't know penguin, so I might say, go bird, or if they have a funny-looking hat on them for the wind-up toy, I'll say, go hat, you know, whatever seems to be the thing that makes sense at the time. But I just try to keep it simple because I want the child to be successful, and I'm really trying to build vocabulary at this point and build the single word use and their use of single words. And at home, what I'll tell parents to do is... If they're not really initiating, but they, they can say like cup or juice or milk, and they're not really using a lot of different single words, I'll have the parents say, tell me, you want juice? Juice? And if the child's not really imitating juice that great, but they're imitating oos, oo, or oo, oo's good enough for me at start. It's something, it's a word approximation. It's close, close enough to juice for me to go. Or I'll have the parents give them a choice, and I'll say, okay, you want juice or do you want a block? Well, most time if the kids want juice, they want juice. They know they want juice. They don't want a block. So I'll give them a preferred choice with a non-preferred choice. And I'll make them initiate. And so I'll make them choose. And sometimes they'll just repeat whatever you say right afterwards. So if I'll say you want juice or block, and if they say block, I'll give them the block. And most kids are like, what what am I going to, what are you going to do with this? You know, they just kind of look at you like, what? And so then you say, tell me you want juice. Doesn't take a child long to figure out this one at all, especially if the non-preferred item is like a real bobo gift or a bobo item, like a yellow block or a sock or a, something that you can really, the sock's not good because you can do something with that, but just like a yellow ring or just anything. It's just kind of, you can do nothing with. That's a great thing. Like a teether for a two-year-old, a great non-preferred item because they're like, well, what do I want to do with that thing? Especially if they're mouthing toys. So I give them two things. I'll say, tell me, say juice, juice. And then it doesn't take long before starting to imitate juice. If they won't imitate juice, and I always go back to the sign of me or more or something to do something to get something because you really want to get them to do something to get something. But this stage of locutionary, they can already use a word. So you kind of up the ante on this group of kids and they really need to try to say something to get something. But again, I won't hold out too long on these at first. Like I'll give them the juice even if they don't say something for it initially because I want them to be successful. So that's why sometimes I'll go back to the gesture and then build back up to the single word again. Now for this group of kids, I'm also still using combinational play. I'll slowly move into functional play, but 
this group, depending on kind of where they are, they're really not ready for a ton of functional play. So I'll stick with some more complicated combinational play. So this is kind of how I move from combinational to functional play and still working on getting to build, still working on communication initiation, working on getting them to do something to get something. For these kids, you want to work on getting them to do a word for greeting, for protesting, for requesting, for commenting. So you're working on some moving from combinational play to functional play using words. But the way I do this more complicated combinational play is this. I'll work with toys that you would think would normally be functional play toys, such as the Fisher-Price Farm, the Fisher-Price Little People, and the Melissa Doug Stacking Blocks. Let me give you examples of all those. So for the Fisher-Price Little People, I'll take them and I'll have like little people, happy family set. So I'll have the little people, like the mom or the dad, doesn't matter, and like the bed, and I'll put one little figure in the bed. So I keep it real simple. I don't get the, all the toys out because then it's just a free-for-all and you've lost them. So I have like the bed and the one person, doesn't really matter what it is, we'll put the person night-night. So night-night, mommy, or night-night, daddy, and then night-night, and then one, two, three, wake up, wake up! And I'm not using my louder wake-up voice now because I don't want to blow everybody's ears out who might have earphones in, but wake up! is kind of big and exciting, and I jump the person up out of the bed, and then they jump around, and woo woohoo, they're awake! And then we do it again. Shh, night-night. And I whisper real low, shh. So I definitely change my intonation from wake up to shh. And I'll change my body even. So I'll start to crouch down real low and shh, night, 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 night. And I'll, and I'll even hunch over and I'll, you know, put my hand up, shh, night, night. So when all the room gets quiet, night, night, mommy. One, two, three. Wake up, mommy. And then we jump up and we're having a party. And woo-woo. That's good combinational moving to functional play because you're using functional play toys, but in a combinational do this, get that. We're talking about sleep, so sleeping, verbs, and nouns, mom and daddy, and one, two, three, go. So it's like a more complicated, remember our bubbles? One, two, three, go. Same kind of general concept, just mm, fancier, really. Fisher-Price farm animals the same way. I get the fence out or a book if I can't find the fence or something that I can put straight up and down. <laughs> and then we'll make, you know, well, I only have one animal out, usually the horse, because I'd make that sound the best. So we'll start with the horse and we'll, we'll do run horse. So we'll go run, 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 wee, jump, run, 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 wee, jump, and we'll jump the fence. And so we're trying to do something. One, two, three, run, run. See, same thing. One, two, three, wee, jump. I'm just using different words, same kind of intonation, same plan, same one, two, three, jump. And then we're verb plus the horse. And soon I'll combine the words into jump horse. So run, horse, run, wee, jump, horse. You know, I'll combine the words. And so we're increasing the MLU, going from single words to phrases. So increasing the MLU, which is the mean length of utterance, that's how many words you combine in a sentence. And then so we're starting with single words, increasing it to two to three to four words and so on to whole paragraphs. And then the other thing is the Melissa and Doug stacking blocks. A lot of times if I'm working on introducing objects to pictures and in these locutionary kids where we're building the vocabulary and building how many words they use to communicate, to initiate, we'll work on building from objects, naming objects to pictures. 
So we'll work on the stacking blocks, which I love those stacking blocks. But I'll take pictures, and we'll put one block down, and then we'll take a picture, a very common picture now, and of one thing, you know, of like a ball. We'll take a picture of a ball and put the ball on the first block and then go up ball, and then we'll cover the ball up with the next block. And up block, and then we'll have the next picture of a cat. And then cat, up cat, and then we'll cover it up. Up fish, I can't think of anything else, fish, and then so on up, all the way to a stack. So we have basically the block and then a picture, and then the block and then a picture, and the block and the picture. And so then we've identified and named 10 different pictures. And then we'll, of course, take either, we either I give them a choice. You want to kick it, or do you want, or usually I'll do, you want the horse to knock it down, or do you want the car to knock it down? I don't usually do like car or bus because a lot of times kids call those the same thing. So I'll have like a car and a horse. And I'll say, let's, all right, say, go. And they'll choose. You want horse or car? Then again, initiation, they're choosing. But if they're using a single word to initiate, they'll give them to name the word for me. You know, horse or car. And then for up to two words or three words, then, you know, say, I want horse or my horse, my car, go horse, go car. And so then we'll get the horse and we'll go one, two, three, go horse. And then I want them to tell me one, two, three, and I'll pause and I'll hold that horse back. So we hold, hold. And then so they can say, go horse. And then the child says, go horse. And then boom. And then eventually I'll fade out. I'll keep the one, two, three, and I'll fade out, go horse, like my model, and have the child just say, go horse. So that's kind of how you build that up there. Usually I don't do just a free-for-all functional play with these kids because then I can't get enough communicative attempts in one session. And remember, normal development at 18 to 24 months is five communicative attempts in one minute. So I want as many as I can get in a session. If I just have the baby doll out without any kind of real form or structure for my play, I don't get as many communicative attempts in a session as I want. And I don't give many as opportunities to name pictures, name objects, initiate, request, protest, comment. I don't get as many in a session as I want. So if I'm going to work on functional play and using some of these toys, I always have a structure for it. So if I have a baby doll, I'm always going to have something the baby doll can eat. So the baby doll can always eat, sleep, drink, run. I like baby dolls best with hair because then I can brush their hair. And so I've got a couple of different things to do. But I also don't let that go on for my whole 30-minute session if I'm not getting enough response, if I'm not getting enough initiation, if I'm not getting enough naming, if I'm not getting enough in one session, then I don't let that functional play session go on for too long. We start, do, finish, we finish it, and then we put it up and we move on to something else. So that's why I just don't like a free-for-all functional play. And so with any of those functional play sets, I usually have a very clear, I really honestly like to combine the baby doll with the Fisher-Price or the Melissa and Doug doctor set. Because then I've got something I can do with the baby versus just playing baby. Because if they're going to play baby and they're not really initiating or naming or, or anything, I, they could do that at home and they don't need me. So it's a good toy. It's just I got to have some bang for my buck. Then the other thing to think about with this little group of locutionaries and the illocutionary kiddos, as you move from illocutionary to locutionary, is speech. And thinking about the sounds that they're making and the consonant vowel combinations. And even the perlocutionary kids are moving to illocutionary. They're starting to do vocalizations and word approximations. So we really have to start working on speech development. And usually I use a lot of tactile cues with that. I'll simplify words. So instead of juice, I never work on the just sound, but the oos, ooh. 
And then I'll use a lot of like touching. So I'll use a lot of like uh, tapping. I'll use a lot of oral motor, um, you know, where I'll put the kid's hands on my face. I'll put my hands on their face. And so there's really no personal space situation. We have to get over that early on. But I also assess a little bit too, because I'll never just go in and start touching a child's face just to start off. You know, I always start with their hands and their feet, and I'll assess kind of how comfortable they are with me. And really, I don't even attempt this until after a rapport is set. They have to trust me, and they have to trust me and like me and understand, hey, this is fun. Because let me just tell you, people, we're dealing with kids. And if it's not fun, I mean, really, it's got to be fun. But I don't want to go in and just freak a kid out and grab their face. That's no good because I don't want anybody coming in and grabbing my face, quite honestly. But if I know you, I might be okay with it. And usually most two-year-olds, I get okay with that. And so they're okay. I'm okay with them grabbing my face, and they're usually okay with me patting or grabbing on their face. And I mean that in a good way. (laughs) So... There's usually a lot of tactile cues in the oral motor, and there's usually lots of exaggerated faces, and we'll use a mirror, and we'll blow cotton balls or blow Kleenexes, Um, but it's always got to have a purpose in that, because I don't go around throughout my life blowing cotton balls anywhere ever. I mean, if I'm going to blow bubbles, I'll blow bubbles. If I'm going to blow a cotton ball, then usually I have a reason to blow a cotton ball. Maybe I'm blowing it into a bucket and see if you can get the most points. I don't know. That's a very game that I play a lot that I'm sure most people do. I mean that in a joking way. Nobody plays that game. It's got to have a functional something to it. So race, who can blow the cotton balls off the table faster, you know, to work on the ooh sounds and the puckering. And I also was good for PB&M just because you're working on lip movement and cheek movement too. So the speech part is important. And I just use a lot of tactile cues with that. Goals that say a child will imitate PB&M or T&D sounds without any kind of uh, physical prompts, without any of that written in the goal, confuse me because I think, well, you got to maybe help them a little bit with that. And some of even our little perlocutionary kids, I wanted to mention this real quick. Sometimes you'll start to hear a lot of jargoning with them. So some of these little perlocutionary kids, as they move to the illocutionary stage, you'll hear a lot of the there's a lot of the jargon. And it really sounds weird. For a three-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old, two-year-old to be doing this. I mean, that sounds really weird. But if you think about it, normal language development, that's what you expect from like a 10, 11-month-old. I mean, they're just, you know, they're jargoning. That's what they do before they really get out a lot of words. They play with their sounds. They play with their voice. You know, they're doing that whole jargon thing. So if you put it into the framework of where they developmentally are in the language development stage, not that weird anymore. So that's why it's important really to assess the child and sort of see where they are and think about, again, like the whole child. And we mentioned that throughout several of our podcasts, the whole child, but it's important here to mention as well, I thought. Okay, well, I could continue to talk about various therapy ideas forever with this stuff because in a nerdy therapy kind of way, I, like I, this is like fun to me. However, I considering I've done two podcasts on this topic, I probably should stop. So I'm going to wrap it up here. And we have lots of toy videos. If you check out our website, www.pediatricdt.com, you can check out our toy catalog. And we have toy videos on any of these toys that we mentioned today. And then you can just see pictures of other toys that we have and that we use in therapy for all that I've talked about today. So thanks for joining me and hanging out with me as we discuss this communication initiation and basically doing something to get something. And I will catch you next time on another episode of The Working Therapist.
Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. If you would like more information regarding this podcast or would like to get in touch with us for any reason, visit us on the web at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com. 